All right, folks, welcome back into another edition of the High School Huddle, your one-stop shop for everything and all things Section 5 Sports. I'm AJ Feldman. He's Carl Jones. And Carl, the calendar has flipped to February. Sectionals are going to start this month. And this weekend is supposed to get, like, really, 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 really cold. Yeah, I walked into the station on Monday and uh, talked to Snyder, our, meteor- our chief meteorologist, and I looked at a single digit. And I told him I don't like that. Now, I understand, obviously, for those at home, he can't control the weather. And he's just reporting, you know, reporting on what his, his models tell him. Having said that, he is the closest thing I got to Mother Nature. So I let my frustrations out on him. I let him know that that's not okay. We need to do something about that. He looked at me crazy. But long story short, I am not okay with the bitter cold. You know, the snow is a snow you can deal with. I'm sure the kids like playing with the snow. So, you know, anything for the kids, right? I'm sure the kids don't enjoy eight degrees. So, whatever, we're going to have to fight through that as we run around the city for a round-by-round-up. But I did see that, and that wasn't exciting at all. Exactly. That's the thing when it's this cold. And and uh, as as many of you guys know, we talked about before, I used to work and live in Minnesota for two years. And the big thing everybody asked me was about the weather and winter or whatever. It's a lot colder, but there's not enough snow because it's it gets so cold. The snow literally just can't fall. So when you get to, I think we're supposed to get like minus 20 wind chill Friday night. It's going to be rough. Um, That's also another thing. Speaking of round ball, uh, we're not going to make our, I'm not going to make the schedule for tomorrow's game today because we might have some schools cancel for, you know, kids at the bus stop. Don't want them to, you know, freeze their little toes off. So a lot of variables, but uh, if we do have games, we will have some good games. We'll get to those coming up in a little bit. Um, As we mentioned, February sectionals right around the corner. Next week, we got a big show for you. It is uh, Matt Trabold week. Um, we brought you that interview last year with Karen and Gerard Iglesia. We're going to do that again this year. Of course, talk a little hoops, um, you know, everything that they've seen. Um, talk a little uh, mental health awareness. So that should be a good show coming up for you next week. Uh, but we had a, a good slate of games uh, this past week to talk about. And before we get into our segments, I just want to quickly highlight uh, a team, a game that didn't quite fit into any of our segments and that would be uh, uh, Brighton HFL, the hockey team from uh, the Bruins, as they are known as. 5-4 win over Penfield in overtime. This was the first time that Brighton HFL beat Penfield since 2014. 13 oh, losses, uh, 13 games without a win in that stretch, 12 losses, one tie in that. Uh, I know that those kids uh, were really looking forward to uh, to getting that dub over their uh, their rivals there. I saw the highlight you guys ran, and usually what we do um, when we run highlights for high school uh, sports, you run, you know, two from the winning team, one from the team who didn't win, or it's, or something of some formula like that, right? Well, I thought that was going to be the idea, and I'm watching it from at home, and, okay, I see Brighton get a gold in Penfield. I'm like, all right, so then Brighton's about to win. And then, nope, we go back to Penfield. And, like, that is doing a phenomenal job of, like, bouncing it back and forth. And I'm like, man, what's going on? So, and then I end up seeing the the game winning goal, um, beautiful sh- uh, shot over there at Webster. But yeah, even at home, I was kind of con- like going back and forth. I'm like, hold on, w- what's going on here? I know Penfield, you know, big dog, Brighton, uh, solid foe, but shout out to them, man, because they even had me fooled with how the, the how great the highlights were. Yeah, the backstory uh, to that taking you behind the curtains a little bit. Um, the first. Four, three goals, and even maybe the fourth one. The first three or four goals that Brian at GFL scored were not ones for television. Um, you know, some ugly hockey goals. They had this one play. Uh, uh, kid uh, made a great slick move to get past the defender, 
And then he goes to pass it in front of the one timer and it goes off the defender sticking in. Um, there's another one. It was like a shot from the the point uh, goalie had a little trouble uh, dealing with it. Penfield goalie uh, didn't have quite the best game in that. Um, but eventually they found the goals to uh, um, to get to get on TV, getting the highlight. Also got a little more time to run that one because I was supposed to get two games that night. But then this game went all the way into overtime and uh, Mariah Watkins and Schrader took care of business against Canadagua. So we only had the one game, but we had plenty of time. To go up but once again shout out to brighton hfl looked at their schedule a little bit um i believe they're 10 and 6 something around those lines um haven't quite done as good against top tier competition this season um, penfield has fallen off a little bit this year they're young they graduate a lot from uh the last couple of years where they went really far so uh brighton hfl does have a chance to really prove themselves they've got victor coming up on friday so if you want to prove you're legit uh, a date with the blue devils a good chance to do that but i uh, just want to first give out uh, a little love to uh, Brighton HFL for uh, that dub that I saw on it was uh, Tuesday. Yeah, because we did our <laughs> that's the other thing uh, pulling behind the curtain. Um, our schedules change during uh, football season to non-football season. I don't know about you, Carl. I have had no idea what day of the week it's been all week long. No, I remember last week I was leaving the office. I don't know if you remember this when you said I said something about, oh, I'll see you tomorrow on Thursday. And you were like, Carl, it is Thursday. I was like. <laughs> Wait, what? But like you're right. Yeah, I'm still lost a little bit. I, it really feels like a Monday to me. I feel like this is my first day of the week. People at home really don't care that much. But yeah, I'm still, I'm still thrown for a loop. It's, it's gonna take me a little bit to get back into the swing of things for sure. Yeah, basically during the football season, the only day that I go out and shoot games that isn't round ball or frenzy is on Monday, um, which is which is my final day of the week. So usually I shoot games and I'm done for the week. So when I shot those games on Tuesday, I like felt like I was done for the week. I had my weekend, but in fact, it was uh, my Monday. But enough with our schedule uh, and logistics. Let's get into uh, all the good things the kids did this past weekend. We had some uh, some really some eye raising results. We had some results where you know we we see the score come into the the office and it gets a wow. You know, the whole office looks around and uh, all right, let's talk about what just happened. And uh, Carl, your team of the week did just that uh, recently. Yeah, the Palmat girls basketball squad. Shout out to the Red Raiders taking down undefeated Waterloo. To add some context to this, these two teams have met, have had some significant games over the past three years. So let's take it back to 2020. Waterloo's last Section 5 loss was in 2020, March 2nd, to Palmac in, in, the, sectional, uh, in the sectional playoffs. And then last year, Palmac got sent home by, you guessed it, to Waterloo. Waterloo has not lost to a Section 5 foe in that entire span. This is almost going on three years, so about two, two years and like 11 months to a Section 5 foe. Palmac takes down Waterloo last Friday, I believe. It was a game that we wanted to get to, but this thing didn't work out. Uh, I mean, that's no small feat in, at all. I mean, all year, you kind of figured, all right, Waterloo, how are they going to be without Giovanni White Principio? And they were, you know, chugging along, taking care of business all year long. You're like, all right, this is the same old Waterloo. And then Palmax said, not so fast. Let me re let's reintroduce ourselves into the B1 mix. The 14 and one on the year, nine wins in a row. I'm gonna show some love to Taryn Goodness. I don't know if she's a a sister to you know to the Goodness brothers that I love. He, he is. Like he is in fact. Oh well, there we go. So this is the whole family. They 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 all nice. Taryn Goodness had 22 points, seven boards, and four assists. She's just a sophomore. Uh, she did her thing against Waterloo. And then also Mariana Hodgins, I believe that's how you say her um, first name. She had 12, had a double-double, 12 points, 15 boards. She's just a junior. 
Those girl, those ladies brought it to Waterloo on that day. They got the win 62-57. Uh, it's also avenging an earlier season loss where they lost by 16 to Waterloo. So they had a lot of reasons to step up their A game against the Tigers. I mean, why, like you said, when we heard the result, had a double take it a little bit, like, hold on, whoever we saw it from, what's public, whatever publication, like, hold on, that don't look right. But it indeed was right. And uh, the Red Raiders, they going – now they telling Waterloo, like, hold on, y'all ain't just about to walk y'all way to another sectional title. We writing, we writing the mix with y'all. So the Red Raiders, shout out to the ladies. No, and B1 is going to be really fun, as you alluded to. Obviously, you have Waterloo, 13-1 and one on the year now. Palmac, 14-2. and two. You got Livonia, of course, the Kylie Buckley show at 14-1. and one. And even Aquinas, um, even at 9-6, and six, I don't think you can count them out uh, just yet for maybe a sleeper roll. They uh, handed Palmac their other loss previous to this year. And you mentioned the fact that Waterloo hadn't lost to a section five team since all the way back in March of 2020. And sometimes that stat we distort a little bit to make it seem a little nicer than usual. Cause you know, they lose to some out of town teams. Uh, no, this is Waterloo. Um, I believe having their season cut off in 2020, it was um, them not having a full season in 2021 where they went undefeated with a sectional championship. And then last year, of course, going undefeated through the regular season and then losing in the state championship game. So this is no, you know, they finished 17 and four. Let's, you know, call them undefeated against section five play just to hype them up. We've talked about them a lot. That's an impressive win um, for Palmac and uh, a way, one heck of a way to take down undefeated Waterloo. Speaking of taking down undefeated opponents. I thought this was going to be the week that we finally talked about the Victor Blue Devils, gave them their flowers. They beat uh, Aquinas on Friday night. We had that in round ball. Um, Carl uh, went out to that game. Uh, Victor, an impressive showing there. However, the Thomas Titans said not today, not this week. Specifically, Sean Mason said not today. He took over that ball game. 27 points for Sean Mason. Um, Thomas getting the win, 69 to 64. And Sean Mason doing it in style. I don't know what I want to talk about first. The 13 points he had in the fourth quarter where he just took over that game or the buzzer beater he had to end the third quarter where he chucked it from beyond his own free throw line from 1.5 seconds left in the third quarter. Nothing but net and a very subdued reaction for a length of the court shot, which made things a little bit difficult on me because... Um, once again, pulling back the curtain a little bit. After you get the uh, the bucket, we do what we call the hero shot. You get to, you know, you show the player. You get to see them, you know, maybe celebrate, high five, or just like talk about the player. Well, a, it's a lot harder to do that when they're the length of the court away instead of just like a corner three. You know who he is because he's in the corner. B, the Thomas Titans have about four players who look exactly like Sean Mason. They've got shaggy black moppy hair they've got facial hair uh you know a scruffy beard they all look about the same so as i'm trying to find sean mason there's about five sean mason clones out there the guy who inbounded to him if you told me he was sean mason i'd believe you if i looked quickly enough the guy who hugged him i could take that as sean mason as well so all i had to do was like i i got to the basket and i'm like i don't know where this guy's gonna be over here so i stood at the basket a little bit and they did like a slow pan over and i finally found uh you know everybody going towards him so thankfully i was able to get the hero shot correctly of mr sean mason <laughs> And uh, that's funny, but 
I, I think Sean Mason, I like his shoes last year. I think he wears like green, uh, green, uh, bright green shoes. So that's the only reason why I maybe would have noticed him. But that is hilarious what they all look like him. And the reaction, you posted it on Twitter. And I'm looking at him just like, oh, like, oh, like I've done this before. Like, man, no, you haven't. Stop it, man. I want to see some love, man. I want to see some juice. Like, but you're a better kid than me, man, because I would probably got a technical file, went up in the stands and said it to my mom or whatever. Um, Mr. Mason, uh, you know, taking over in the fourth quarter, full court shot. I mean, you want to talk about everything you dream of. You know, you practice those those four court shots at the end of practice every day, right? You always trying to see who can make one, first one to make it. And then you also, you know, pull out your best Kobe Bryant impression taking over in the fourth. I, I mean, wow. That, that, everything that you put on Twitter last night that I saw from a distance, that was dope to see. Yeah. Um, speaking of that, um, A, I want to point out, I once had a, a three-court length of the shot. Uh, I believe it was in uh, maybe the end of the first quarter in a game. I think it was, it might have actually been JV or varsity, but either way, one of the two. And second of which, you talk about practicing. On our senior night, senior year, um, or maybe it was no, it was JV, the last game of the year. Um, we start decided our starting lineup on our half court shooting contest. Which a, if I lo- I ended up being one of the starting five, I was gonna have a riot if I didn't get to play start in my uh, last year of JV when I was in tenth grade. So I just want to point that out real quick. Um, and B, I think part of the reason why Sean Mason wasn't su- too excited, that was his first points of the third quarter. Um, they had like a seven point lead going into halftime when he made that shot, they were tied up. So I think he was a little, uh, PO'd it himself, uh, but, uh, obviously turned around the fourth quarter, really took over the game. I was really impressed with his uh, shot making ability, his ability to both get into the paint. He had a nice, uh, little kind of move to the paint, little pull up, um, his ability to just, you know, do a one move, get a little bit of separation, pull up a three. Um, he was really doing it all in that fourth quarter. Um, and, and, and about the Thomas team in general, you know, Jackson, Mulcahy, their other top scorer, he had 14 points in that game. It's really been Mason and him leading the way for them. They've they've had some quality games, not exactly enough to really stick out so far this season. They beat Menden without Jackson Green so far um, this season. They lost to Aquinas by four points. Um, but they, they got a nice win over Penfield, which we're going to talk about a little bit later. Um, they lost three of their first five games. They have gone nine and two since. So Thomas is kind of asserting themselves. They are in that A1 bracket where now I think um, Class A is going to be really fun this year, um, side note. But Arondicoit, Athena, and Thomas, I think, are uh, kind of separated themselves from the pack in A1 this year. That's going to be fun. And, um, you know, it's going to be really important to get that one seed because you only have to be one of those teams, uh, as we've talked about uh, many times on this show. Man, this and Victor's no slouch. Like we've been no, 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 undefeated heading into the game. And Carl, you were really impressed with what you saw um, on Friday. Man, like Garrett Clark. I mean, not to the same extent that Mr. Mason did uh, this week, but similar like way. Like I'm taking this game over, like in the fourth quarter against Aquinas. So you know, Victor, they have the ability to like go to this this ten level, and there's nothing you can do about it. Well, Mr. Mason said, "I'm going to eleven. Meet me there." And I'm, I'm looking at some of them shots. I'm like, either A, he don't think there's anybody in front of him, or B, he just don't care. Because, like, some of those shots, if they don't go in, coach, like, come sit next to me, man. Like, come on. Man. Come on, Sean. Sean, I don't know what you was thinking. Like, that's how, like, impressive the shot making is, like AJ beautifully described. Uh, I mean, you can't say enough about that type of effort, especially in high school ball, that many points when, you know, if, if a guy's cooking, like, everyone in the gym is going to know he's going to get the pill and get the ball and try to score. 
So especially against a team like Victor, who can play defense. Thomas, who had a great year last year, stumbled out the gates a little bit uh, this year, but Mr. Mason and company and the rest of the Titans are trying to, you know, get back in the swing of things and make a nice little sectional run this year. No, and I wouldn't look too much into this in Victor. It just kind of seemed like an off night for them. Uh, they did fight back really hard at the end. They eventually got it down to two late. Uh, couldn't get a good look at a, a game-tying shot when they were down three, but I'm not worried about the Blue Devils too much here. Carl, you're under the radar team, your team that deserves a little bit of pub on this uh, Thursday, Groundhog's Day, February 2nd. This team, they were great last year. They actually went on a deep playoff run. I realized that while doing the re uh, research for this. But they're under the radar because we haven't shown them their flowers, and that's the Newark Reds, who are 12-3 and three on the season. You look through their schedule, you're like, all right, those three losses are rough, and I'm not going to lie to you. They are. You got a 30-point loss to Palmac. However, they beat Palmac earlier in the season, so I don't know how much like I'm going to put – much weight I'm going to put into a 30-point loss, right? Then they lost by 30 to Victor. Well, they'll never play Victor again. They're in AA, and uh, Newark is in B1, so I don't really care about two classifications up. And then they also had a 19-point a, a lo loss to Waterloo. But they get another chance at Waterloo tomorrow, and I'll be able to get a better gauge of how close they are to the rest of the, uh, the Class B1 uh, um, foes. But having said that, they do have a win over Palmac, like I explained, a win over HFL, a win over Wayne, who was in Class A2, who's off to a great start this year. This Newark team, I don't think those three losses really represent who they are necessarily. And they went on, I believe they made it out of the Far West Regionals last year, if I'm not mistaken. Um, also, I went over Geneva, who we gave flowers to last week, who took down Avon. So this, this Newark team is clearly not, like, I, I don't like the transition of property when talking about sports. But they're not far off is what I'm trying to explain here. Like, when you look at those three losses and then like, oh, man, losing my 30, you can't be that good. Like, no, maybe some hiccups. I weren't at the game. I weren't at these, these three L's. But this Newark team, like I alluded to, they got, they got some good firepower led by the two trees they got, Braden Steve and Rayshon Howard standing at 6'4 and 6'5. That's tall for Class B. I don't know about y'all. Um, and those two ain't nothing to be messed with, two captains on the team. So I just want to show some love to the Newark Reds, man. We haven't given them a lot in that Class B1, as similar to the girls. Guys as well is loaded. I, I mean, you know, you got Carney over there. It's, it's a phenomenal group. I want to see how it shakes out the rest of the regular season, starting with tomorrow, uh, February 3rd, against Waterloo at home. Yeah, and you talk about not, you know, us giving them pub. The uh, the state sports writers uh, have not give the, given them their pub as well. We've got three teams ranked in Class B in Section 5. You've got Bishop Carney at, at 17. You've got uh, Batavia at 21 and Palomac at 24. Uh, Newark chilling out in the honorable mentions category. And like you said, they went on a nice run last year. Um, lost in the Far West Regionals. I was able to see their, I believe it was, I think it was their sectional championship game I saw. And then, of course, I went out to Buff State uh, and saw them in that game. And, yeah, they're just an impressive t team. Like you mentioned, they've got uh, their two big men down low. They were impressive last year. Obviously, um, you know, they've grown. They've gotten better. <laughs> so you've got that. And you want to talk about ways to win in the postseason. Obviously, you know, there's, uh, you know, there's the guards or the shooting three. You get two big dudes, especially uh, down in Class B. That's going to be tough to handle. So um, I know I don't really want to face uh, the Newark Reds in the postseason. Uh, luckily, I am not on a Class B high school basketball team right now. Yeah, thank God. I, I, ooh, man, I was just thinking about it. If I had to play high school ball right now, mm, I'd be <laughs> terrible. I'd be terrible. I'm sore right now just thinking about it. Uh, you should have seen me in the fit today, though. I, I literally did a little behind-the-back pass. Uh, the guy made the layup, luckily. So uh, <laughs> I would have thrown him out of the gym if he missed that thing. But uh, anyway. Sounds like AJ is going to be the Nikola Jokic of 
uh, high school basketball, which be amazing to see. Can't wait to see that in Section Five. Yeah, I get called that a little bit at East Florida um, for uh, for a handful of reasons. Um, going to my under the radar team. Penfield Patriots, I saw them also last night. And a team that, you know, we keep talking about double A where really anybody can win it. You know, nobody's asserted themselves. We thought it might be Victor, Aquinas, you know, they, they keep, you know, obviously suffering some losses. The Penfield Patriots might be getting into that conversation. They had a really nice win, 70 to 63 over Schrader. The key sequence in that game a 13 to one run late in the second quarter where they just really turned it up, played some really good defense moved the ball fluidly on offense. Uh, they had, I believe it was nine, three pointers in that game. They were shooting it well from distance and it was just a balanced attack for them last night. Trevor, uh, Trevor Hofer had 18 points. Derek Torres had 14 points. He had this really nice play. Uh, shot clock was winding down, dribbled in hard, went for the reverse. He's got like a, um, it's not a mask, but he had like some sort of tape job on his nose. So this guy's putting down his head into the paint, even with when he's uh, a little banged up and bruised. Uh, Jackson Bengani had 13 points. Caden Harrington, nine points and 10 assists. And this is a team, eight and seven on the season. Recently, um, they've lost uh, five of their last seven games, I believe, um, as I pull up their schedule real quick. But these losses have been really close. Yeah, they went on a streak of, yeah, five and six, actually, um, from January 6th to January 24th, really a tough stretch for them. But they were all close losses for the most part. A three-point loss to Thomas, a one-point loss to Victor, which raised our eyebrows at the time and um, with good measure at this point. They lost by 11 to Sutherland, they lost by four to Hilton, and a tough loss by 17 to Franklin, who uh, is really turning it on down the stretch, as we've talked about multiple times. But Penfield? If they can find a way to win these close games, they're in all of these games. So if they can do that, watch out for them come playoff time. Obviously, Schrader's a really good team in Class AA. They're going to be a contender. Um, their home stretch schedule, nobody really frightens you down the stretch. They've got five games left. Brighton, Canandaigua, Churchville, Chile, Rush Henrietta, Fairport. You know, Fairport's feisty. Churchville, Chile's got some nice players. Brighton as well, but... I want to be surprised if, uh, you know, we go into sectional time and we're talking about the Penfield Patriots uh, winning their last seven games of the year or six and one down the stretch. Yeah, last year when I, it was my first high school boys game, actually, I shot them and it was the Aiden Cook show. And for those at home, I am really biased to lefties. Everything just looks <laughs> better left-handed. I don't know. I'm not left-handed, by the way. I don't know. I was always jealous of the lefties. Everything just looks so pretty. And he, Aiden Cook, is a sharpshooter from behind the arc for the Patriots. He's left-handed as well. And anybody, like, oh, man, I... anybody who's watched Round Ball Roundup knows that Carl loves the lefties because anytime anybody uh, with a, a left-handed game does something, uh, it gets noticed by Carl. You can dribble with your left hand and I'll give you love. It ain't got to be a jumper. <laughs> like, you're getting love from me, all right? You can do a little bounce pass with the left hand, a little wraparound <laughs> entry pass. Ooh, left hand. You want a high five with the left if you want to get on right Round Ball. I might throw you on there, too. But nonetheless, though... Um, like AJ alluded to, he didn't even say his name, who I thought he was their best player last year, which is showing that this team is really balanced, you know, and they've and they've gone beyond just him, you know, jacking 20 shots to, you know, to get them and lead them to a victory. So as long as, you know, this, they stick with this balanced attack with the threat of someone like him giving you a 20, 25, possibly a 30, I've seen it before out of him, that's a dangerous out. You know, that's a dangerous out instead of just, hey, Aiden, go dribble off three, go run around 10 screens and, and, and try to, like, shoot from 30 feet to get us into this game. That makes this Penfield team a lot more balanced and dangerous come sectional time when it's a one-and-done playoff. So if you can 
have a balanced attack. You know, we talk a lot about multiple ways to win um, Penfield, even though they're eight and seven um, and probably going to be in the bottom half of that bracket. So Penfield's going to do a good job of giving ourselves a good, maybe first round matchup to feature on uh, the first game of uh, the double A playoffs uh, for sure. Um, speaking of uh, games to feature. Kara, we got some, uh, we got some humdiggers here. We got some heavy hitters. I'm going to just start with mine. You know, fifth, we got two 15-1 squads matching up. Schrader going on the road to Penfield Girls Basketball. This is a, a rematch from earlier in the season I went to where um, Schrader pulled away. I believe one by 13 um, at home against Penfield. Schrader actually got their first loss of the season two games ago to St. Mary's out of, I believe, the Buffalo area. So they're no longer undefeated. Um, still undefeated in Section 5 play, um, as we like to say on here. But – Two 15-1 squads, and, you know, you got Jackie Funk and Grace Alexander and, you know, a bunch of girls behind them on Penfield side and then on the Schrader side. They got this girl named Mariah Watkins, if you haven't heard before. Um, AJ and I do a great job just talking about how great she is. Her younger sister, Bria, ain't too far behind. And then, oh, by the way, they got a bunch of uh, other girls on the team who can knock down shots, dive on the floor, and do a bunch of other things um, that help out the, the Lady Warriors in that regard. I can't wait for this one. Uh, we haven't... Um, gotten a lot of straighter this year just because A, they're dominant, and B, like the schedule hasn't really worked out. They haven't played like on a lot of Fridays the past three weeks, I believe, which is one issue. But nonetheless, I can't wait for this one. Whoever was one of us end up at this one. Um, this one will definitely be going down to the fourth quarter, as these two teams always do. Yeah, both teams at the top of the Class AA standings. So obviously a big game for seeding reasons. And we've, we've talked, of course, about AA boys, how anybody can win it. Difference here is that in boys, anybody can win it, and they can probably just win Section 5 tournament. Girls basketball this year, we got about five teams that can win it in girls basketball. We probably got about five teams that could maybe go on a deep state tournament run. So this is going to be big uh, down the stretch for both of these teams. Uh, my game of the week, equally as important and equally uh, worthy of hype on the boys' side, you've got East, you've got Monroe, and I love it because um, – I don't know. Uh, I think our archive, you know, our promotions department or something, uh, they, they tweeted out this video today, which I retweeted of uh, a game back in the 70s between East and Monroe. And I had to, to retweet that thing so quickly because, A, the East gym looks exactly the same. Like you can tell instantly you're in the East gym. So uh, it looks exactly the same. B, we got the tight shorts. We got the... We got the the froze. We got man. It looked like you know a, a scene from freaking semi pro out there. I seen that. I was shout out to uh, that wasn't in black and white either. That was color, right? No, it might have been the first color highlight we saw in <laughs> section five for so for some reason. Yeah, I saw that. I was like, the shout out to New Day for pulling that one out. I had no idea. Uh, I mean, I, I guess high schools don't you know rebuild too often, but like literally, like you said, though, I, I'm. Looking at the East, you know, like that wall looked eerily familiar. Um, but yeah, that's kind of ironic. I don't even think our promotions department even realized the two things met. Uh, we'll meet on a uh, no, they, they, they definitely do not. They just pulled it out of their hat. Yeah, 1976 in that game. Um, so uh, we're gonna be showing this as you do it. If you're listening on Spotify, please go to my Twitter page and uh, look at that video. But um, you know, the 70s rehashing aside, this is gonna be a great basketball game. You've got Two of the best teams in RCAC ball. Franklin obviously has um, 
quite a bit to say about that as well. Monroe just got handed their first loss of the season. They lost to uh, to Aquinas. Um, Carl, you were at that game. Um, so Monroe is at 13 and one on the year. East is at 13 and two on the year. And, you know, obviously you've got a who's who, as we've liked to say, your Zion Parsons, your Micah Johnson, Colin McCullough for East, Davion Jones, Aquan Shears, Felton Gray for Monroe. But I still think despite, you know, all the success both of these teams have had this year, they're still looking for a really nice win so far this season. You know, both, you know, other than the three teams that we've been talking about, RCAC ball a little bit down this year. Um, you've got some elite teams, but that middle class might not be quite as good as it's been in the past. Both of these teams did beat Franklin, but that was earlier in the season. And I think Franklin's really stepped up their game a little bit. Um, I think they're, um, yeah, Monroe is not going to get Franklin the rest of the way. Um, East will. So that should also be another good one. But, you know, both of these teams have beaten McQuaid by a small margin. Um, you know, East lost to Edison. That wasn't a super impressive game for them. I was at that one. So I think both of these teams are, A, really looking forward to winning this game just because it's East Monroe. You know, it's going to be a, a, a nice environment there at East. And B, it's going to be a nice confidence boost for whichever team comes out on top on Friday night. Talking about boost, I just got word from FanDuel that the over-under on dunks for this game is set at four and a half. I'm taking the over is, you know, it's, it's plus 100 for four and a half dunks. They might clear that in the first half. I don't know, you know, depending on like how animated and how many breakaway steals they get. These two teams, like I talked about ad nauseum, fun to watch, get up and down the floor. I think, I know Monroe presses. I believe East does the same where they like to, you know, extend their defensive length of the floor as well and force some turnovers. Uh, yeah, just for that reason alone, the game is always fun and, I'm not a, I'm not a, uh, gonna tell y'all what to bet on, but you know, go to FanDuel and hit the drop down menu, four and a half dunks. I am not <laughs> telling you what to do. I am just saying what I would do. I thought when you started talking about FanDuel and over under, I thought you were gonna put the line at like 190 for the game because there's gonna be a lot of points in this basketball game. That I can tell you for sure. So that's going to be a good one. Tip off scheduled at 630 as someone who's gone to a lot of these 630 games at East, probably more like seven o'clock. It's always uh we get, I get off the air at 630 East uh, as some people might know, right around the corner from uh, our station at Humboldt. Usually have to watch like 10 minutes of warmups. I don't know if these JV games just go long. I don't know what's going on, but uh, never seems to start quite at 630, but uh you know, fingers crossed that we get to all these games because, you know, um, superintendents, I know you guys might want a day off. You haven't had a lot of snow days. Save it. Kick it off in June. No one wants to go to school in June. Save it for the day after the Super Bowl. How about that? I never liked going to school the day after the Super Bowl. Well, Mama didn't really like, I didn't really go tell Dad that I stayed home. I was sick. But save it for the day after the Super Bowl, man. Let the kids have that day off. I think most of these schools um, – the February break will line up with this. Actually, I don't, is it? No, I don't think it's going to do it this year. Yeah, it's, it's, it's off. So um, yeah, it doesn't line up with the present day holidays. So look at this changing lives here on the, uh, the high school huddle. That's what we do here. That's why you listen to us on Spotify, Apple podcasts, rochesterfirst.com or YouTube. We thank you for listening. Um, it's time to break the huddle. We got a great um, slate of games to talk about, um, which we're probably actually not going to get into too much next week. Of course, because as we mentioned, we're going to have Karen Iglesia, we're going to have Gerard Iglesia talking about some basketball, talking about some mental health awareness. It's going to be a great show for you guys. Uh, really well received last time around. 
sure will be as well this time. So for Carl Jones, I am AJ Fellman. We're breaking the huddle. Ground ball roundup Friday night. Be sure to tune in. Thank you for joining us, and we will see you next time.